Hey y'all, thank you so much for tuning in to Take a Seat. I'm Sienna Hope and I'm back with another episode. Today I'll be talking with my brother from another mother, Waikia. <laughs> we'll be talking about um, his experience growing up in Chicago. Yes, South side of Chicago. Yeah, South side, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, Waikia, talk to me about your experience growing up um, in the South side of Chicago. I know just from from the, you and just from um, the news. Yeah, I, I was going to say the news, but I didn't want to be that person. But I'm going to say the it's news. Okay. I'm going to say the news. I, I, I know. I think I know, you know, okay. Chicago. I think okay. I know. You know what I'm okay. saying? Based on uh, what is oftentimes portrayed. portrayed in the media. And so talk to me about your experience specifically. Well, like my personal experience. I'm going to give you a brief timeline from child to man, okay? So from the age of zero to about 11, everything was fine. We were playing football in the streets, mm-hmm. we were playing basketball. Outside, we had uh, crate courts in my neighborhood. It was like um, project housing. So we had crate courts. We had the real courts down the block, Um we rode our bikes. Like I think my generation is the last generation of kids to ride bikes. Not the Dibby bikes that they got now. We actually <laughs> rode bikes. Like you don't see kids riding bikes no more. So that mm-hmm. was about two thousand and five, two thousand and six. And you know, we watched wrestling together, you know, WWF, that type of stuff. Everything was cool and then I turned eleven years old and it's like now it's time to be a man. Because now people in your class, your peers you know, some of your friends that you grew up with, y'all parents was pregnant together, but now they joining gangs. Mm. They smoking weed, having sex mm-hmm. at 11 years old. You know, some of them getting shot, some of them getting killed. So I remember it vividly. Um, probably my last innocent days. And like, when I say innocent, I mean like when I was just naive to what my environment really was. I was in seventh grade, and um, this one Wiz Khalifa had first came out. So, mm. some of my young followers, and you know, some of the audience members may be old enough to remember when Wiz Khalifa came out. So when he came out, you know, his label was Taylor Gang. Yep. You know, what I'm saying mm-hmm. you know Chuck Taylor Boys Taylor Gang. So everybody in school had like the Wiz Khalifa patch in their head. Yeah. Like, you know, it was that whole era. It was the snapbacks <laughs> in there. Right. So. I'll never forget. And like people in Chicago know this mall. It was all in mall. They had a store called Hot Topic. I think I think uh, Hot Topic's still around. Yeah, though. yeah. So they had a shirt in the store. On the front of it had Wiz Khalifa rolling papers. In the back it had Taylor Gang with a big black and yellow five point star. So I got the shirt. And, you know, I had a walk to school for our uniform day. And about four other students who was my teammates, they wore the same shirt. So we all at lunch, you know, during the day. And I was the captain of the basketball team. So all the basketball players, we all, like, kind of kind of stayed together during the lunch um, period. But, like, after lunch, I was supposed to go to division. Division, for those who don't know, in Chicago public schools is homeroom. 
mm-hmm. it's like an attendance period to make sure that you checked in for the mm-hmm. day. I'm supposed to go to the village. Now I never forget this. Officer Kemp, shout out to Officer Kemp. She snatched <laughs> me up like, boy, come here. She said, um, we need to talk to you. Now me, I ain't never been approached at this age by no police officer. So I'm like, okay. Cause I don't know. We had a police station in our school, like a real branch of the police station. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So she gave me enough and it looked just like Minister Society, how they was questioning Kane. Mm-hmm. That's how they was questioning me. And they tried to say I was starting a new gang in school called mm. Taylor Gang. Mm. My heart could have fell to the air bubble with my shoes. I was in there so scared. Yeah. <laughs> I was in there frightened. And I'm like, what? What? Like, I'm I'm so confused, but mm-hmm. I got home. I told my parents they was living because I'm not even the type of kid that even be involved do, in do that. Do things like that. But then my father explained to me about symbols growing up in Chicago with a five-point star represent to law enforcement what a six-point star mean. Well, wearing your head to the left mean, when wearing your head to the right mean, you know, certain things that I was naive to, now I was responsible for knowing. So from that age on up, I had to had to be a man fast, probably faster than I wanted to be. So my experience in Chicago was good, I say, up until that point hmm. growing up. So given that you had to become a man at a young age, did you struggle with your self-identity in a way? Yeah, because now it's like you go from being a child, you know, playing basketball and this, that, and the third. Like, everything is just, you know, not great, but it was great to us. But now you kind of, like, force. And I say this is where, you know, good parenting come in at. You know, shout out to my parents. Mm-hmm. You kind of force to pick a side in a in a way. You either going to go left or you're going to go right. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad I came from a household and a family where it was an example of everything, mm-hmm. good and bad. So, you know, growing up, I didn't um I didn't say this earlier, but I took trips to visit family members very often in prison. But like I said, me being so young and naive, I didn't even realize it was prison. I thought it was like, you know, school. Mm. Everybody got on the same uniform. We in here eating and then you know it's time to go. But as I got old, I learned to like, dang, where you want to be at. So my identity was kind of, you know, I didn't know if I wanted to be a tough kid. Mm. I wanted to be an innocent kid mm-hmm. still and just, you know, be taken advantage of. Or if I was going, you know, just stand up for myself and just be my own man. And I'm glad I took that route. And, you know, taking that route is the scariest route, in my opinion, because not everybody going to see what you see. And not everybody going to want to. You know, do what you're doing. Peer pressures at that age, 12, 13. I ain't even in high school yet. Like, peer pressure at that time, man. See, like, we ain't had social media, but it, it was probably worse then because everybody outside. So now you got to, you know, you got to kind of fend for yourself early. So I'll say I struggled with identity crisis just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, like, it really was no problem at the, um, i say, eighth grade. How has growing up in Chicago influenced your outlook on people? Man. Because I, I know it's it's quite different for you. And, I you know, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. And it's, it's different for me because, you know, 
born and raised in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And two completely different worlds, according to you. (laughs) A different planet. See, I ain't going to lie. Like I said, after that whole thing with the Wiz Khalifa shirt and everything, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Now I'm forced to grow up and now I'm starting to. I'm starting to um, profile people. Mm. If there's a person that's worth trusting, there's a person that's not worth trusting. There's a snake, you know, so there's a person I probably got to keep close to me just to see whether or not they'll bite me or not. So you got to be real, you got to be real diabolical in a sense, but how I like look at people is I really don't expect much from them to save myself the disappointment. Mm. So a person can be because there's things I've seen, like I didn't seen, you know, yeah. I seen family members who these is, you know, brothers and sisters, they same parents, but they treat each other like I'm talking about two strangers in a phone booth or something like. Mm-hmm. So you just can't go around just all oh, like how y'all do down here, like, oh my gosh, how you doing? Yeah, yes, nice uh, smiling, you smiling, know. and everything um, is so yeah, uh, like. I didn't have that experience growing up because I got to be on point everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. I got to make sure nobody follow me. Whether I'm on a bus, I'm walking, I'm driving. I got to stay at least three cars in between the car. I don't want to be the first car, no red light, so somebody can pull up on the side of me. I don't want to be the car in the middle because I don't want two people to jam me. So how I look at people is I kind of just, you know, I give everybody a chance, but I don't really expect, you know, too much out of them. It's because I know, like, you know, eventually... Who you are is going to show, so... Yeah, and it's it's different for me, you know, growing up in the hospitality state and just, you know, greeting everyone that you you cross paths with, you know, um, walking on the sidewalk, you say hello. I ain't going to lie. Going around campus, what's up, how y'all doing? Got to Jackson, Mississippi, that was one thing that was like, what's wrong with these people? Like, everybody want to speak, everybody want to embrace... And like, that's so crazy. It Be- took me like two weeks to kind of like pick up on process it. and deprogram like my thought process from like, you know what, walk here. Everybody that approach you probably ain't trying to scam you or trying to mm. get over on you or trying to get down on you. It might, like a 0.1% might be some genuine people. So you got to kind of like, you know, let your guard down, not yeah. too low where mm-hmm. you will be, you know, damaged, you know, um, severely but kind of just let your guards down just to see what's up so that's like you know that's like still a challenge for me to this day because i already know like just from off experiences and not only my experiences i was fortunate to be a child that listened and paid attention that's something my grandfather always told me pay attention and listen another man's downfall can be your reality if you don't learn from it mm-hmm. so i watch how people Dealt with certain people. So that should tell me, don't deal with that person. It's not, you know, Egyptian algebra. It's, you know, common sense. Like, don't deal with that person. Or if you're going to deal with them, you know, deal with them with a, what they used to say, um, with a, a long-handed spoon. Yeah. I got to deal with you with a long-handed spoon. Yeah. So, you know, I really don't expect much from people, but, you know, everybody human. So. And then, too, you know, you're your ability to judge and your wisdom it's commendable because you know you have some people that are still you know naive you know or still they don't understand and sometimes that could be me 
you know that i mean that could be anybody that, could, mm-hmm. that didn't have those certain experiences but like mm-hmm. i'll give you an example it's a prank and this is something i see every day on campus you know because everybody one thing i prided myself in is i never was a part of no clique or no group or no gang or no just no any type of people just just can't be associated with me so you know normally i'm by myself or sitting by myself you know by choice but mm-hmm. i observe certain things with people and you know one one thing that you know stands out to me if i see you um that if i see you and you are frequent with a person or this like certain group of people and you come to me talking negative about them and then you go back with them that's an automatic red flag in chicago they call it sneak diss okay okay sneak lingo dissing. lingo like sneak a, dissing that's like an automatic red flag because you be with these people, you know, y'all do you know, X, whatever y'all y, do together, together, but you felt the need to disclose certain information about them to a third party that's not even involved. So that just shows me that you're not a person to be trusted. And and even to be trusted, it's like, it's like your morals, like, you know, like, how you was raised, I guess. Like, yeah, not everyone was raised the same. I learned and, that. <laughs> that I learned that is that. Not everyone. That's facts. Mhm, mhm. Um, do you wonder how different your life would be if you didn't grow up in Chicago? Uh, sometimes I do. Like sometimes I just be wondering, like, what if I could have actually, excuse me, like been a child for the duration I was supposed to be a child. And, like, what if I didn't grow up, you know, seeing people get killed, um, family members getting shot, family members in jail, family members on drugs, people I know that sell drugs, people I know that's, you know, just in and out the system and mm-hmm. just going through. If I didn't just grow up, you know, seeing that type of stuff, how would my outlook be on life? Like, would I still be the same? But I feel like everything happened for a reason. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, the Lord put me in these, you know, predicaments for me to experience these things so I can hopefully benefit from them. Mm -hmm. And that's why I go back to what I was told as a, I say a young boy is don't, don't laugh at somebody else's downfall or they mishap learn from because it could easily be your reality if you don't. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of think like, you know, what if I grew up in like a gated community you know, three floors, a basement, you know, parents married together and, you know, some Cliff Huxable type, um, what you call that show, uh, Cosby <laughs> show type life. Or even like a Fresh Prince life if mm-hmm. I just moved with my auntie somewhere that was rich. But, you know, that wasn't the case. So, you know, I feel like I'll be different in a way. Um, I probably would know how to survive and adapt to different environments. Mm, yeah. That's one of the benefits in growing up in yeah. Chicago. If you if you blessed, I ain't gonna say luck. If you blessed enough to make it to 16, 17, 18, 21, if you blessed enough to live long enough and you didn't learn from your past experiences how to survive, it shouldn't be nowhere where it's green on the earth that you can't make it because mm-hmm. the circumstance you come from up under. Yeah. It's like you know a two percent chance of you even surviving. Like that's the that's the biggest thing that I wish rappers from Chicago, which are great artists, but I wish they'd highlight that part more. Mm. Like 
Don't just highlight the shooting and like the bad stuff, but highlight on what them experiences taught you. Yeah. So given yeah. that, what has these experiences taught you? Like what have you learned about yourself? I say one thing I learned about myself was that um because I had to be a quick learner, I learned that I could adapt to almost any environment I'm in. Mm-hmm. So right now, I'm in a collegiate environment mm-hmm. with people from all over the country, all over the the world, and I believe I do a pretty good job in um, you do you know you do my daily life. <laughs> You know, journalism, photography, them, those type of things without, you know, losing myself. Yeah. And I feel like if I was to slip up, it would be, like, so obvious to me that I'm able to snap back mm-hmm. to what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Because of, like, the program I was put on, you know, by those that raised me. Mm-hmm. And that was to stand up for yourself, stand firm. And don't make excuses, make adjustments. Any type of difficulty come your way, you either get over it or get past it. Unfortunately, you know, there's no time for complaining or grieving or to even just take a breath. And that's one thing people here should be more thankful for. What's that? Is like the pace of, I'll just say Jackson, Mississippi alone, I ain't gonna say the whole South. But the pace of the city is so one, two, where, you know, if something happened like a, honestly, like a, a mass shooting or something at a at a block party, that's that'll be considered something foreign to the citizens. That way, you know, they may, you know, have some time to, oh, well, we got to, you know, put this together and put this in order so this will never happen again. Mm-hmm. When in Chicago, that's happening every weekend, 50 people getting shot. So it's a normal occurrence. So I don't have time to go to the hospital and check on my mental health mm-hmm. or, you know, go talk to somebody because I got to, you know, live my life on a daily. So Right, right. Yeah. So um, as you know, Chicago is oftentimes referred to as Chirac, <laughs> you know, it's notorious for gangs and um, just you know, a lot of gun violence. And yeah. um, how do you feel about the narratives that is oftentimes placed against Chicago? Like it's always a bad narrative, um, especially like you know, like we said earlier in the media. And see, that'd be, like, my only problem because Chicago mm-hmm. got so much positive history. Yes. And, you know, I don't want to turn it into, like, a Chicago podcast, but I can, you know, sit here and give a four-hour, like, briefing on the positivity that Chicago mm-hmm. has, you know, contribute to society. But, mm-hmm. like, that narrative really don't bother me no more because I feel like if a person see me, meet me, and that's what they think about my city... And they see how far I came. That's a compliment to me. Mm-hmm. If a person can come from everything that you just said, murders, killings, robberies, um, gang banging, drug mm-hmm. dealing, right. all of them. Yeah. If a person could come that come from under that to live to be 21, 22, 23. Yes. Go to college and actually amount to something that's worth mm-hmm. mentioning. Mm-hmm. That's a compliment to yeah. me. 
because that's a part of my story, a part of my journey. Even though 90% of it is probably, you know, you know, not so true, but the part that is true, you know, I feel like it's a compliment, so I don't even get offended no more. When I first learned what an HBCU was, I was 17. I was in this program called BAM, Becoming a Man in High School. Okay. And um, we had a spring break college trip. I was on the first one. I, I believe they on a six one. It got canceled due to COVID this year, though. But I was a part of the first one. They took 100 kids from the south side of Chicago from, like, 15 different high schools. And out of the 100 kids, probably 87 of us, well, of them, never been out of Chicago. Mm. And we were on HBCU College Tour and on DMV. And um, our first stop was Virginia Union. And soon we got off the bus. I'll never forget. These girls was like, oh, where y'all from? And some kids said Chicago. They was like, oh, my God, girl, let's go. Let's go. We got to get away from them. All they do is kill people. What? And I was stuck. Like, I was probably stuck for, like, 20 seconds. Like, So yeah. when my counselor seen me, my BAM counselor seen me, he was like, a tig. You heard what she said, right? I said, yeah. He said, now it's your responsibility to not live up to that narrative. Mm-hmm. You don't got to change it, but don't live up to it. Yep. So... That's how I felt about that. So it's cool. And I think we we have similar experiences as far as like you know um, bad narr- bad narratives. Yeah. Especially in Mississippi. Like I know. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. The only I thing know when you said I you came about here. Mississippi was what what was life. it? <laughs> what what'd you say? Go ahead. The say only it. thing I knew about Mississippi because my grandfather from here, but he only spent like a short amount of time here, so. We never really talked about his time in Mississippi, mm-hmm. even though it's like a historical time in his life. Mm-hmm. But only thing I knew about Mississippi was the movie Life with Eddie Murphy <laughs> and Martin Lawrence. Like that's and all that's I knew sad. about Mississippi. It's so much history here. Yeah, it's it is so much it history, is. and it's so it's a lot of great things Definitely. as well. But I, I you know. I know. I'm I'm just like you as far yeah. as, you know, that bad narrative and um though, you know, there has been some troubling moments in Mississippi, troubling yeah. decades, years, all that, you know, um I try my best to not live up to that, you right. know, and understand that that is not my problem. It's not because it's like what I'm going to do, like, again, it's like a verbal altercation with everybody that say Shadrach and everybody say, oh, my gosh, 500 murders. I don't care about none of that. You got people who never even been to Chicago that got something to say, mm-hmm. but you never even been, like, how dare you say, I'm never moving to Chicago. You never been. Yeah. So, yeah. come on now. I would have never, no, man, I would have never thought in no year in my life that I would even be in college and it wasn't for sports. Mm -hmm. So me being Jackson, Mississippi, so far away from home, you know, in college, like, you know, that's like kind of a big deal to me. Yeah, it is. You know, big deal to everybody else, but it's kind of a big deal to me. And, and, you know, be proud of that. Be proud of that. (laughs) Shoes. Like you said, it's a big deal, regardless of what others think. That is an accomplishment, and 
that's something to always, always be proud of. Um, But I do want to just kind of get some clarification or just break down this statement that you always say. Um, Well, it's the statement is. I'm, let me use my Waikil voice. Oh, oh no. Oh, God. Oh, gosh. <laughs> no, it's not that bad of a statement. You just you just always say, you know, um, you're just happy to be alive. You're just happy to be alive. Yeah. And you, you say that all the time. Um, and sometimes it's like playfully, you know, but to us, right. to, you know, to our friend group. Yeah. But I know that that's always been something that you're pretty serious about. And um, I just want to ask, like, where where did that come from? Okay, like I said, like, you know, after, like, you know, seventh grade, going into eighth grade, you know, transitioning into high school as a teenager, a lot of my peers, a few of my friends, you know, was, you know, victims of the streets. Whether it was something they was living or some. This is the saddest part about Chicago. I ain't even gonna lie. It be a lot of great, bright, young people that just fall on the end of misfortune. Mm. Like, all A's, everything going right, and they just get killed by a straight bullet or get killed trying to come home from school or just something like Get caught in a raid with their big brother, and now they in jail for something. They ain't probably even know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So when I say I'm blessed to be alive, blessed to be free, that's because my whole life I watched good people die, good people go to jail, good people just get dealt a raw hand. So I try not to dwell too much on what I don't have and what I haven't accomplished, and I just focus on the now, like, I'm thankful for everything I have now, you know, like the breath that's in my body, mm-hmm. my ability to wake up, yes. and I'm in a college dorm, but I have friends and peers that they would never know what that felt like, mm-hmm. but they can tell me how I feel to wake up in a prison every day, mm-hmm. they can tell me what they serving in jail, but they'll never experience fried chicken Wednesday, catfish Friday, like, small things like that that people say, oh, man, that stuff nasty, or that's the... They don't really know or yeah. take full advantage of because they probably don't know nobody's on the other side. So that's a sincere statement I have to often remind myself to make because it's the truth. Like, I'm not no different than any other young man from my neighborhood. In my opinion, we all went to the same school. You know, we all had, I'm not going to say we all had the same opportunity, but like from the outside looking in, we all was put in the same group. Mm-hmm. And growing up, yo, man, it's sad. But like your ceiling for success in my neighborhood specifically is so low. You either going to play basketball, sell drugs, or die or go to jail. It ain't no other alternative. Mm-hmm. They not Only thing that school is going to school to play basketball. So I would have never thought I would have made it to college, let alone a university, without no athletics being involved. Because, like, that didn't even seem feasible to me as a child because I was so focused on getting to the NBA because I thought that was my only way out. 
I knew I wasn't going to do nothing illegal because I didn't want to go to jail. Mm-hmm. I seen, you know, half of my family go to jail. Mm-hmm. I was visiting. So that statement, you know, um, every time a person asks me how I'm doing, I tell them I'm blessed and grateful. I'm blessed to be alive and free. That's a sincere statement that, you know, a lot of people can relate to if, if you know, they just take the time to appreciate how far they came hmm. and their experiences. I need a moment, cause uh, that was um, that was a lot for me to take in. Um, that's. I may like to like when you talk to people, you know, from Chicago or New Orleans or L.A. or Alabama, all the inner cities is all pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Public school, which is like a breeding ground, in quotations. One of the, matter of fact, I'm not going to say his name on this platform, but it was stated by a very powerful political figure in Chicago that Chicago public schools is a breeding ground for criminals. That's what they said. And, you know, if you kind of look at it, they already put expectations on you when you in third grade. Mm-hmm. So yep. by the time you in third grade, they know, okay, yeah, he's he's not going to make it past high school. Yep. He going to drop out. She going to get pregnant at, you know, 15. He they already have the Joe Biggs ready. They already start saying it. So I'll never forget, like, on days when we had to, like, tell the teacher in class, like, what we want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say, man, I'm going to the NBA. And it's probably with 15 boys and everybody else said the same thing. And I remember the teacher telling us, like, well, you need to have a backup plan because, you know, you can tell your knee, and we like eight, nine years old. We ain't even done growing. We're not trying to hit this, but what they should have told us was you have a chance at going to the NBA, but don't put, but don't let that be your final decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not saying don't put your energy and effort into it, but don't let that be your final outcome. And if that don't work, then it's like, after yeah, because it's like you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So I feel like. You know, it's all a part of just the environment. Like, I'm not going to say I'm proud. Actually, I am going to say I'm, I'm proud to come from Chicago Public School because, like, you know, growing up with those with those type of, you know, barriers and boundaries being put on you so young, you either going to fight or flight. Mm-hmm. You either going to make it or you not because... You know, everybody dealing with pretty much the same thing. So, so what advice do you have for young boys and your peers <laughs> who feel trapped in their environment Ooh. and they want, but they want to do better? I'm a, I'm gonna talk to the young, like the generations that's under me first, because I have a younger brother. Mm-hmm. We are six years apart, and I'm gonna tell them this. Do what you believe is necessary to survive first and try your best to surround yourself with like-minded individuals of your own. Just you being around a person you don't even know can be like a very bad detriment to your life. Either be by yourself Or put yourself in an environment with people who you believe is on the right path like you are. And for most people, 
that bad group is their own family. <laughs> so them the kids I'm really talking to, you might have to deal with your own family being your downfall. And I'm not going to tell you that you could just remove yourself from your family and just move somewhere else. Or I'm going to tell you, plan this day. Do what you feel is necessary to survive. Because living, we haven't been afforded that luxury at this point. We're trying to survive. So, you know, anything is possible that you want to do. But you got to get past that certain stage of survival first. And you got to master it. If you don't, you're going to fall victim. I have seen it. I didn't almost feel victim. You're going to fall victim. So that would be my advice. You know, don't make excuses. Make adjustments. And always be grateful. When you do good with a little, mm-hmm. you get blessed with a lot. What, so, what you're saying? I just do the best I can with what I have. I do the best I, I can have. with what I have. Yeah. I, I change it from what the little that I have because what's a little to me may be the world to another person. Else. So I don't want to. I didn't want to say that and sound like I was being ungrateful or unappreciative. Mm-hmm. So I just say, well, what I have to my peers, you know, the people that's in their twenties, mid twenties, don't lie to the youth. You know, oftentimes people want to come with these "We Are the World" campaigns and everything's gonna be all right if you hold hands and walk down the street. That's not the truth. That's not the reality that some people was living in, and we gonna mm-hmm. you know just stay on Chicago. That's not the truth. Everybody's not going to come together. It's things that, that have taken place before our parents were born that's going to always prevent that, in mm-hmm. my opinion. So the best thing that a person of my age could tell somebody that's younger than me and that's like on the rise and that's about to go, that's about to go through what we already have experienced is to be real with yourself. Mm. Protect yourself. And you know, if you blessed enough because everybody not gonna make it so i ain't gonna get on here and say if you go to school and get all a's that you're gonna be successful that's far from the truth that's a paradox hmm. that's what they call a paradox <laughs> but i will tell you to be mindful of your choices be mindful of your surroundings and you know everything else you know if you blessed enough you know, you know, probably see better days. Beautiful. Beautiful words of wisdom. Yet again. Yet again. That's why I, I absolutely had to have this conversation with you. Because, like I said, what you do is very commendable. And oh, not just because I'm your friend. Yeah. But, I, you know, I see you. I see yeah. you and I see what you're doing. And it's I try. It's great. I try. Not not only do you try, you achieve. Yeah. You achieve. So give yourself that. And I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your time and again your wisdom. No, I know. I know. Yeah, he is though. like really young, but he's so wise. Listen. I grew up listening. <laughs> One thing, see, like, it's another thing, and I ain't going to hold y'all too long, but this is another thing. We got to stop disrespecting our elders. Mm-hmm. We got to stop on. disrespecting those that came before us, okay? They lean on us for the strength, and we supposed to lean on them for the knowledge and the wisdom. Come on. And the understanding. Mm. So one thing I always did when I was a child up until now, I always listened to my elders. 
that was worth listening to. Yes. See, some people listen to old people and allow them to misuse them and misguide them and misinform them. Listen to the older people and it's going to... Just because a person's birth certificate was printed before yours, that don't mean that they automatically just can tell you something. But the people that's worth listening to and worth learning from, pay attention to those people. Appreciate those people. I'll see y'all in the next episode of Take a Seat. In the meantime, be blessed, y'all. Peace.